0: Welcome to the City of Refuge Church Podcast. We are so excited that you have joined us. We are a church that is called, connected, and commissioned. We want to call all people to repent and believe in our Savior's loving grace. We want to connect our neighborhood to the unity found in the greater family of Christ. We want to commission others to live as kingdom citizens before the world and heaven. And we hope that this podcast gives you a glimpse of what God is doing in us and in the Eau Claire community. Thank you so much for tuning in. Praise the Lord. Amen. You Amen. Got it, you got it. Huh? <laughs> All right. Can we give another hand of praise to our Lord and our Savior? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And uh, beautiful singing, beautiful worship. Uh, just enjoying the presence of the Lord. Lord provided the sun to break through the stained glass windows and just a sweet, sweet spirit here. And I praise God for his presence. And we want to thank God for allowing us to come to share tonight, this afternoon. And I want to thank God for your pastor, Pastor Jay Will. Can we give God praise for him and his leadership? Amen. I thought when he said that um, after the message, you all can come up and and share all the, I thought you I thought he was going to say, share all the things he's doing so I can learn. <laughs> uh, get some dirt and so forth. And, but uh, that's my friend, and uh, it's. Uh, I've uh, appreciated him and the opportunity we've had to fellowship, and we connect and get together and just share our hearts and share what the Lord is doing. And I'm just grateful to this brother, and I'm so grateful to you city of refuge we've been praying for you and we'll continue to pray for you and support you Um, we're excited that you are here and uh, have moved into this community our community that we we need all the help we can get amen amen Amen. Amen. Uh, you know some people you know ask the question about church plants and why do we need another church well the church is doing what it's supposed to be doing then we will look for every church every body of believers to come to help there, there ought not be any jealousy ought not be any competition because there's room for all of us to serve in this vineyard and there's such a great need so we're glad to be here to share with you this this afternoon I want to acknowledge your first lady um thank god for her and amen, amen. praise the lord sister, sister wilson why do why you laugh when i say that she can't say yeah. that. That's, no, do it both. Uh, <laughs> amen. Well, we so glad to have you and work alongside your husband. I know he needs all the help he can get. Amen. <laughs> amen. And I'm, I, I'd be amiss if I didn't acknowledge my first lady, Theresa yes. Melvin. Yes. And yes. Amen. That's my songbird and my prayer partner and my cheerleader all rolled up in one. Up, my best friend. From D.C., I'm from D.C. We call him my partner. That's my partner. And uh, but we've been married for 21 years, and we Amen. praise God for the journey thus far. We have two kids: two, one son. He's 14 and in, in high school, and a daughter who's seven, trying to be in high school, trying to get out the house. <laughs> but we're grateful to God for them. Well, I don't want to keep you long. There is a message from the Lord. Oh, mm-hmm. messing up. And um, I, I've been tasked to share with you as you've been going through the book of Nehemiah. And so your pastors asked me to, to cover two old chapters. <laughs> chapter 11. And, what time we get out? What time are we supposed to? No, we're not going to take that much time. but uh, chapter 11 and 12. And what I want to do is just uh, read. Uh, a couple of verses as we cover this text in Nehemiah. And I'm reading from the CSB translation. I'm reading Nehemiah 11 verses 1 and 2, and I'm going to read chapter 12 verses 27, and then I'm going to read verse 43, and that really will kind of highlight what we want to talk about tonight. I'll say tonight, this afternoon. Um, Nehemiah 11 verses 1 and 2. And then 12, verse 27 to 43. And it reads, Now the leaders of the people stayed in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots for one out of ten to come and live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while the other nine-tenths remained in their towns. The people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. And then chapter 12 Verse 27 says, nope, that's not what I want. Yeah, I'm sorry. Verse 27, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sent for the Levites wherever they lived and brought them to Jerusalem to celebrate the joyous dedication with thanksgiving and singing accompanied by cymbals, harps, and lyres. And then if you jump down to verse 43, and it says, On that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. The women and children also celebrated, and Jerusalem's rejoicing was heard far away. So I want to share with you this afternoon, as we look at Nehemiah 11 and 12, this idea of blend in and celebrate, blend in and celebrate. So as we come tonight, let me first pray, Father, thank you for this opportunity to stand before this desk to preach your holy word to your people. Thank you for the privilege it is to to be your voice. I ask, oh God, that you would speak through me. Use these lips of mine. Lord, connect my heart, my mind. Align me with your spirit and allow your spirit to have free course. And I pray on the other end, God, that Your people have ears to hear, open our understanding, and condition our heart as we hear your word tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as you come to rebuild the city, city of refuge, as you rebuild the walls, that have been torn down, families, as just like in Jerusalem in that day, Jerusalem was exposed, vulnerable. The people needed help. They needed hope. They needed God. And just like, I'm sure, I'm not going to go through the whole book of Nehemiah, but you've gone up to chapter 11 here, you you know that, that this was a daunting task for Nehemiah and for the people. And the only way that they would be able to accomplish rebuilding the wall in 52 days had to be because of God. The only way they were able to accomplish this because of God's power and his authority. He couldn't do it on his own. You can't do this on your own. It, it was God who gave Nehemiah and the nation success. It was God who granted favor. It was a God who burdened Nehemiah when he heard the word that Jerusalem was in disarray, it was torn down, they were vulnerable, they were exposed. It was God that, that gave favor to, to Nehemiah by King Artaxerxes, the Persian, Persian king, to say, go ahead and do what's in your heart to do. You can't do this on your own. God remembered his word that he would allow them to return after those 70 years in captivity, that in his grace and mercy, he allowed them to return back to the land. He appointed Nehemiah, his leader, to rebuild the wall just as he appointed Ezra to rebuild the temple and rebuild the people. And by God's grace, they were successful. It was also because they were wholly obedient to the word of the Lord. They heard Nehemiah testify that God's hand was on him and and look at what God has done to, to arrive at this place so we can rebuild. They listened. They committed themselves. They served. And they got the job done. Yeah. They, they, they heard, they, 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 they did the work that was necessary to do this. And in their faithfulness and in God's power and hand, they did it in 52 days. I'm still in the book, right? but there was more work to be done. Yeah. They did the work, but there was more work to be done. And, and they had to deal with things that I don't know if Nehemiah expected it, but he had to deal with social injustice because yeah. mm-hmm. people were, were in need and, and their leaders were siphoning off and, and putting them in slavery because they couldn't afford to make a living. They, they had to deal with with previous governors who were taking their positions and, and using that position for their own benefit versus for the people. And so Nehemiah had to addressed this. While they were still building the wall, they were dealing with uh, people coming to discourage them, to, to cause them to come off the wall. And And so they had to deal with battling people there, even as they were building that wall. One hand, they were putting up brick. The other hand, they had on their swords. See, sometimes you all, when you think you're coming to do one thing, there's so many other things that are needed Come on, man. that you don't realize. And so they did it, but there was so much more to be done. And then after that, after they, the wall was up and, and, and Nehemiah saw in chapter 7 that there was not enough people that were living in the city, so, he pull, so God put it in his heart to, 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 to pull up the registry. In other words, Nehemiah made a roll call. <laughs> yeah, 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 And he registered all the people, all the tribes, all the leaders. And, and that began to generate interest so that everybody would begin to participate and serve. And then in chapter 8, Ezra comes out, and, and it was time to hear the word of God. And he read the word, and the people began to weep and mourn because they were being convicted that they had departed from the will of God. And it was supposed to be a time of celebration, the feast feast of Trumpets, but they were too busy weeping because they were convicted over their sin. And what happens after that, once you're convicted... Then there was a, a call, there was a vow, there was a covenant that they made before God and declared that we're going to live righteous. Yes, the reason why I have to say this is because it leads up to where we are. Chapters 8 and chapter 9 and chapter 10 teaches us that conviction of sin leads to confession of sin, which leads to a covenant with God to live for him. But there's more work to be done. Yeah. And this is where we are in chapter 11. Although the wall was completed, they still needed people to, to, to return back to the city. And so what I want to share with you all, there are two major events that took place here. that, that you, you, you just can't just build the wall and think the job is done. You can't just just think the wall itself, is going to preserve the city. You can't just build a church in this community and think that just the brick and mortar is going to be the key that's going to save the city. You need the people. Just moving in is not enough. I want y'all to hear me this evening, this afternoon. If you want to be different, this chapter is key. If you want to be a church that's effective, then we need to learn from this chapter. He knew, he understood that, and God understood that the people needed to actually move in and dwell in the land. If you want to preserve and heal this city, then there has to be the people. We don't want this church just to be another building that, that people drive by and, They don't know anything about it. Just another building that's in the backdrop of modern, everyday life that has no effect. We got too many churches like that, y'all. We got too many buildings. We got churches almost on every corner. And when people drive by, they just see it as backdrop. Doesn't make a difference for them. So building a wall is good but the people are needed. Nehemiah wisely organized the people and told them that uh, out of the 10 tribes that are living all around, one-tenth of them need to go into the city and live. So as we study these two chapters, I want to give you an overview of the two major events, as I said before that took place. One event here is that the people resettled in the city of Jerusalem. The second event is that the people publicly dedicated and celebrated the wall. Within these two events, I then want to share with you the two attitudes that I see in this text of the people as they repopulated the city and as they celebrated and dedicated the wall. First of all, the people who moved in. They were fully invested. Yeah. Yeah, sir. The leaders had already moved in, but they needed the people to support. Listen to that. The leaders are already there. <laughs> wow. They were leading the way, but they needed the people to support it. The hearts of the leaders were in the city, and where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Yeah. If you're talking about serving the Lord and doing anything for Him, you got to put your money where your mouth is. This is what they did. They put their money, they they put their lives, and they decide, I know where I'm living, but I'm I'm going to live in the city so that I can serve the city. They needed more people to resettle. So they decided a tenth would do it. And notice this, though, the remaining nine-tenth stayed home, but they supported the people that moved in. Yeah. Did y'all see that? Yeah, yeah. The, verse 2, the people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in the city. See, the first point is what we see is that the people invested their lives in the work. The priests, the Levites, the temple servants, the descendants of Solomon, the, and Judah and Benjamin, the descendants of them, they all moved into the city. They stayed in the city. And they invested in this work by relocating their lives and their families, even though it might have been dangerous, even though it might have been there's opposition still there. Yeah, yeah. They said, we're going to fully invest. We're going to move into the city. But the other people who stayed out, they weren't just out there saying, oh, that's wonderful, great for you. They gave. They supported. They, they prayed. They helped. You can't do this on your own. You can't have just certain people, you know, 10% of people doing 90% of the work. Yeah. yeah. The city doesn't need just another wall or a, a gesture, a symbol that, hey, a church is moving in. They need people to invest their lives. The city doesn't need another empty gesture of good. They need to see good lived out among them. They need what is called incarnational ministry. Yes, yes. That's what Jesus did. He didn't just tell us what to do. He actually disrobed himself of glory, and came as a servant incarnationally. The word, the living word himself, the Bible says, became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what the world needs. That's what this community needs. They need, they hear the word perhaps, but what they need is to see the word lived out in our lives every single day. If you want to be different, in a lot of churches, you have to invest, and you have to be incarnational, live amongst the people. You cannot rebuild a city staying inside the walls yes. of the church. Y'all with me here? Yes, sir. You can't be a holy huddle. I work at CIU. CIU <laughs> is no different from any other Bible college, however. Because what happens is because it's so wonderful on campus and you're hearing about God and you're loving God and you're worshiping God and everybody just huddled together and they just love the fellowship, but they don't leave that huddle for the streets. You know, it's kind of like watching a game and a football game. And what you see is you see you have the offense and the defense. And and what happens is, you know, the the players down and the, the offense are there in the huddle. And they're looking at what play they're going to run. Now the problem is that they stand in the huddle too long, and what happens is there's a delay of gain penalty. (laughs) And because there's a delay of gain, they lose some yardage. (laughs) And you would think they were hurry up, but no, they're staying in the huddle. And and, and another delay of game, almost to the point where they're they're at their end zone. They're they're at their one-yard line because they keep delaying the game because they're staying in the huddle. The coach calls in to to the quarterback, what's going on in there? And the quarterback says, oh, coach, we're having such a great time. (laughs) Yeah, Coach, oh man, this is a great huddle. Oh, this is a wonderful fellowship. And we're just so excited. As a matter of fact, we want a bigger huddle. Can we get a bigger huddle out here? And, and Coach said, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, Coach, uh, there's some, there's some members on this team that they have, they have remembered a hundred plays in the playbook. Oh, we're just having a wonderful time. And the coach says, well, you need to get on the line. No, why would we want to do that? You know, we've never heard anybody get injured in the huddle. Let's just stay in the huddle because we might get injured if we go out there and play against the defense. The holy huddle doesn't work. Get on the playing field. They invested into the city. Listen, you all. Don't just drive into the church, have worship, and then drive out and go back home. And in the process, you miss the very people that you're planted here to reach. I've seen that happen. I've been at a church where I served, where it was one of the darkest places in the whole city. And what the people, they decided to do, they would drive in from the suburbs. (laughs) They will come together and worship the Lord, have a great time in the church, people out right outside the door on drugs, alcohol, prostitution, and they will drive in to worship God and then drive out to go back home. Oh, we don't need that kind of church, you all. We need people to engage. Y'all with me here? Yes, sir. You have to invest your time. You have to invest your talent and your treasures to rebuild the city. Don't just rebuild the wall. Nehemiah, people might have thought, hey, the wall's done. We're finished. There's still more work to do. And the attitude was that as a small portion of them moved in, the attitude was that everybody supported the move. They also supported the Levites and the priests. Everybody supported it. Not everybody can move in. Not everybody is is equipped to go into the streets. But everybody can support it. It wasn't just some people working while the others just watched. This can't happen unless everybody is together. This can't happen unless everybody embraces the vision. Everybody's committed. Everybody has a vested interest in in this being accomplished. You'll find out fast who's sold out. To the vision of the Lord and who just to sell out. You'll find out fads who, who who just want to be comfortable versus those who are willing to, to catch that vision and run with it. It's not just individuals. There's some who just do it for selfish reasons, but but we need everybody. Perhaps they all agreed to this because it was a few chapters earlier when I heard when I say that, they heard the word of God. And the word of God convicted them, and they were broken over their sin, and they mourned. And what happened after that, God began to deal with their hearts, and, and then they had that covenant. They, they confessed their sin, and they covenanted with God. God, will do whatever you want us to do. And perhaps that's why everybody came together. You know, when you're not broken over your own sin, it's going to be hard for you to hurt, serve somebody else. Oh, if our hearts haven't changed in our own sin, this kind of work, this kind of service, this kind of commitment, this kind of reaching out to others will not be done. That was the first one. I'm I'm not going to keep you long. The second major event in this text is the dedication of the wall in chapter 12. And so what happened after the people moved in? It was time to, after the wall was completed, to dedicate the wall and have a public celebration. So here it is, people. They took time to celebrate the work that God had done. You got to take time to celebrate God. Sometimes we, 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 we don't know how to celebrate if you want to know what your goal is, that's what you celebrate. We got to take time to celebrate when God does something. We And, and, and not only celebrate, but it was a public celebration. They publicly dele- dedicated the wall in public. In this text, what happened, what Nehemiah had orchestrated, had all the people working together and the Levites and the priests and everybody chipped in and, and just set this time aside to celebrate God and dedicate this wall. What they did, one large choir mounted the city wall and and they walked counterclockwise, starting at the very gate that Nehemiah first came to inspect when he came and inspected the wall, see what he needed to do. And so they went counterclockwise. It was the whole choir, a big choir, and they got on top of the wall and they began to walk that wall and they walked all the way around the wall and they sang and they praised God and they celebrated. Music, the priests, everybody. And then there was a second group that got on the same, started that same place, but they went clockwise. So they just went all the way around the wall until they met at the temple. Mm -hmm. And they celebrated God all the way around. And they got to the temple, and and that's when they began to dedicate offerings and sacrifices unto the Lord in celebration, in excitement of what God had done. Oh, we need to learn how to celebrate when God does something for us and testify to the goodness of the Lord. And and the thing that I'm excited about this is that they would go through all this trouble just to give God praise and celebrate him for all the work he did that they accomplished through God's hand. 52 days, they said it was not possible. So some of their detractors even said if you even stepped on that wall, a fox would cause it to fall. They had a whole orchestra and everybody walking on the wall celebrating God. Look at what God can do. When everybody line up with his word and do his will, God can do great things. And so everybody was there. It was a great event. Singing, dancing, ceremonial cleansing. They, they rejoiced. Even the women and children, everybody celebrated. But it was public. It wasn't private. They just didn't celebrate in the church. <laughs> they were out amongst the people celebrating what God has done. Here's the the attitude that they were not ashamed or shy in testifying of the goodness of the Lord in their lives. They didn't hide. You know, the Bible says we are light. We are the light of the world, that a light does not hide under a bushel, but it shines for all to see. We are a city on a hill. In other words, he wants to put us on display to testify the goodness of the Lord. He says, don't be ashamed of me, and I won't be ashamed of you. And they publicly shared celebrated. They were out in the open. Even their enemies were there, but they didn't care. They still testified of the goodness of the Lord. They openly shared their testimony of how, against all opposition and odds, God did it. The attitude, a willingness to openly praise, and a public witness. They acknowledged publicly what God had done, and they took the time to celebrate God openly to all. You know, some people think it don't take all that to praise God. (laughs) It don't take all, you know, a matter of fact, the same people that says that, they're the same ones that go to the ball game. Yelling their heads off, high-fiving everybody, jumping up and down, all the same one as yelling at their TV. But when it comes to praising God publicly, it don't take all that. <laughs> they want to be quiet and demure in the church, and that's not who I am. That's exactly who you are. I don't know why you can't praise God like you praise this team that don't know your name, but you can celebrate your team. But what about what God does for us? Yeah. Why can't we tell others and celebrate how good God is? They say it's not who they are, but we were created to praise. Yes. Yes. And they did. Listen, I, I want to just help you all. I, I, I'm excited about you. I, I, I really am. Don't, don't. Be like many churches that hold its celebration only for its members. Mm. When you have an anniversary, invite others. Let other people come to see what God has done. That's an opportunity to celebrate God even in mixed company. Yes, yes, sir. Yes. Because that's what he calls us to do, to give testimony. Because when they see how God has been good to you, then that tells them, if he does it for me, he can do it for you also. Mm. Don't don't just hide the celebration and just come in your holy huddle and just talk about the goodness of the Lord. But you ought to invite as many as you can to come and let's celebrate with yeah, me. Yeah. Open it up to the community. Open it up to others that when God, when you do, God does something great here, invite other people to join you. Mm-hmm. And they might feel, you, you might feel, I don't know if they're in place, they're exactly where they're supposed to be. Because the Bible says, this verse says that the celebration was so loud that everybody heard it from afar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do y'all see that? Mm-hmm. That even, even their detractors heard, even Tobias and Sam Ballard, they heard the celebration, even though they were trying to get them to come off the wall, kill their leader, but they still celebrated. Yes, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Yes. Wow. Yes. If you want to make a difference, you got to fully invest. Yeah. We, everybody has to, <laughs> everybody needs to be on the same page. Everybody needs to contribute. Not everybody can do the same thing. Don't try to make everybody do exactly the same. We're not wired that way. We, we have different gifts. Yes, sir. We, we, we're put in this body, and the Holy Spirit gives the gifts to the body as he wills. But everybody play to their strengths. Everybody contribute. Everybody gives. And, and, and support those who are on the front lines and celebrate that. And celebrate God, what He does publicly, openly, so that everybody can see. You know, when you're a light, and that's what God calls us to be, I'm closing now. There are two types of people I found in the world. Two types. Y'all, y'all, y'all catch me on this moths and cockroaches. <laughs> Y'all catch that? Because when you flip on the light, mm. mm. moths are drawn to the light. Yes. Yeah. And cockroaches scatter. Y'all act like y'all never had a seen a cockroach <laughs> before. Come on, don't fool me now. And that's how people are. They're are going to be some because you are shining your light. That'll be drawn to the light because they're tired of living in darkness. Yes. Yes, yes. And they're looking for a way. Matter of fact, they're praying for a way out. And here you are with your light, the light that's in you. Let your light so shine yes, that men will see your good works yes, yes. and glorify God. Let the light shine. There are going to be people drawn to you. And then as you shine your light, those who want to stay in darkness, they're going to scatter from you. Mm-hmm. But don't be afraid of the darkness because yes, we are the light of the world. And light and dark cannot fellowship with one another. Jesus Jesus calls us to celebrate openly. Everybody else celebrating what they're doing. You can't even watch TV without, without somebody celebrating a different lifestyle. Yeah. And want you to celebrate too. We can't celebrate like they celebrate. We got to celebrate truth. We got to celebrate God. We have to celebrate what's right. But we have to celebrate openly and publicly. This church is positioned properly, I believe, because there is such a great need, especially since COVID. Yes, yes. People are in darkness. 9% of the people are attending church today. 9%. So they're in darkness. We can no longer afford to stay in the church and be salt in the salt shaker. <laughs> the church has to go to where the people are and be light and celebrate yes. so that the noise is so loud, even hell hears it. Yes, wow. Yes, wow. Yes. And Jesus promised us that he built his church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Yes, sir. So city of refuge... Live up to your name. Rebuild this city with everyone's help, everyone's help, not just this church, but all of our church working together. Invest, pour into it, and celebrate God openly and publicly. And when it's all said and done, we'll stand around that throne, and the celebration will never end. Yes, sir. As they say, every day will be Sunday. And the Sabbath will have no rest. And we'll spend all eternity telling our stories over and over again, what God has done for us. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He demonstrated for us, delivered us, and turned us back out to deliver others, be used by him to deliver others. So God bless you. Bless you, Pastor. Bless you, lady. I don't want to call you first lady. (laughs) And thank God you're here. Let's keep walking together. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen.